to be able to dedicate a young man to the Lord. And so this morning is Mother's Day, so ladies, hey, happy Mother's Day to all of you. And to all of our ladies, we're going to celebrate you all, specifically moms, but all of our ladies who aren't necessarily moms, maybe you are a future mom, or maybe, you know, you are an aunt, or, uh, you know, a friend, or whatever the case may be, God bless you ladies today. I hope that the Holy Spirit just encourages you and helps you today in your walk with Christ. And so I want to pick up last, where I left off last week as we looked at this idea of, um, of woman, hear her roar. And so we're not going to roar like the world thinks we're going to roar, but we're going to roar a godly roar uh, as women. I'm not a woman. I've never been one. I don't plan to be one. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I can, I can sure encourage women because I have grown up around them, and uh, even in my house today, uh, I'm thankful for my wife that, that lives there. My daughters come and they bring uh, my grandchildren. It's an awesome thing. And all, most of the animals that I'm surrounded with as well, they're all female. And so, uh, you know, uh, there's Humphrey and I and Thomas. We're about the only guys around. And John, you know, we're the only guys. It's all women, you know. Although this morning when I, when I let Olive in, Olive is one of our cats that comes in and goes, uh, John and Heather's cat Peter came over. And so he came into my house with him. And wanted breakfast as well. So I gave Peter breakfast this morning, just so you know. So uh, any of you all like that? You feed neighborhood cats too, right? Like Peter's like my, my grandcat. And so he comes over and visits, and I, I feed him too. So uh, anyway, um, Laura came walking down the steps saying, here I am carrying Peter through the house. She just goes, <laughs> you know, he's just like, <laughs> it's just like so normal. <laughs> Um, anyway, we talked last week, you know, like, what is it that makes a woman successful? What is it that, you know, the world sort of puts this, this weight on you ladies sometimes, and it's not a godly weight, you know, because the Word of God has a different idea of what success is than what the world says success is. And so what are the qualities? Of, we talked about those qualities last week. It was like, of what is a godly woman? You know, and, and again, it's not that you check it off and say, well, I'm falling short there, so I'm failing. Listen, stop, stop grading yourselves, ladies. Stop doing that and, and just be who God has called you to be. And we left off with Psalm 139. I'm going to repeat those verses with you this morning as we just sort of jump back into the pool here. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 18 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, which, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, when I awake, I am still with you. And so those four things we left off with last week, let me just reiterate them again. Number one, you were created by God. You're created by God. God made you. And so... You know, sometimes you look at yourselves, ladies, I know, sometimes you can be very, uh, you know, self-critical. Understand and know that God made you. He created you. you know, they used to say back in the 70s that God didn't make no junk. You know, and, 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 and the reality is God created you. He made you. And so be okay with that. You know, and again, like I said last week, if you, if you want to improve yourself, go all for it. Go for it. But God made you, and, and, you know, and, and so be thankful for that. Number two, he knew you before anyone else knew you. You know, you're not unknown to God. God knows you, and, and, and he's aware of you. And so he, he knew you before. Before your mommy and daddy knew you were even there, God knew you. He ordained you. When that, 
when that moment happened, when that sperm and egg connected, and that flash of light happened around that egg, um, literally, it's, it's, it's God's imprint being placed into, into your body then. Your DNA, shh, it, the strands began to form from that. God ordained who you are today all that time back then. He knew you. Number three, he has a plan for you. Your days are ordained. Know that you know, God has a plan. And sometimes we, we even take that and, and we're sort of critical about that because we think we've sort of blown God's plan. I want you to know his plan is broad. The plan of God is a broad plan. It's not like a laser beam that you've got to just sort of ever so carefully walk along it. And if you step off, you're going to fall. Listen, God's plan is like a floodlight. He lights the way for us. His word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It's not a laser beam. And so the plans he has for you are broad. And so don't be afraid if you've made mistakes. Because guess what? Everybody makes mistakes. And so don't be so critical about yourself. Know that he has a plan for you and your days are ordained. That includes your crazy days. They're ordained by God. And how many of you ladies have more crazy days than non-crazy days, right? You know, it's, it's okay. God is in them. He's in the crazy. You know, and he helps us through it. I think of some of you, some of the struggles that some of you ladies have gone through, incredible struggles. God was with you in the midst of those struggles. He ordained those things in your life. He doesn't cause bad things to happen, but he knows that as we live in this world, sometimes bad things happen, and guess what? God chooses to be with us. That's why, as the Spirit spoke to us today, it's so important to ask Jesus in because he wants to be in the boat with you in the storm, and then when he gets in, he takes care of the storm, you know? But you've got to ask him to come in. You can't blame him about the storm when he's out there. He's walking on the water. It's not stormy where he's at. He's like in this perfect calm place. And your boat is like rocking all over. You're like, what's wrong with you, Jesus? And he's like, what's wrong with you? You know? Do you want this peace, this shalom? Just ask me to come in. And my shalom will rest on you as well. And then fourthly, his thoughts about you are precious and numerous. You know, um, when we had our first child, when, 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 you know, when Melissa came along, and uh, she, I, I could not believe all the thoughts that I had towards her, all the plans that I had for her. All the things, I, I didn't think anything bad about her. There was no way. And listen, if I'm an evil person, how good is God's thoughts towards you? And he's perfect. And then when Heather came along, I had great plans for her. When Thomas came along, great plans. I didn't think anything evil about any of them. Why do you think God has evil thoughts towards you? He's a perfect father. And so his thoughts for you are precious and numerous. All right. And so this morning what I'd like to do is for you ladies, I came across about two months ago, as I was doing some research for Mother's Day, because I do a lot of sermon work way ahead of time, just so you know. So as I was prepping for this, I came across a photo of an old piece of art. This is, you can find this online as well. This was done around 1840. There's a copy of it on your insert, but it's up here on the screens as well. This, is, this was made, so it's, it's like 180 years old, um, this, this, this picture, and it takes the stages of, of womanhood, from the cradle to the grave, basically. You know, literally from the cradle till, you know, a woman who's just waiting her time there, basically. And it's, it's how many of you like old pictures like this? Like, I, I love old stuff like that, you know? And uh, there's just something to it that just grabs you. And so in this, I looked at it, and I'm like, wow, you know, it really is a, a wonderful shot of what the stages of life is. And let me just say this. So often, and especially you ladies, guys too, but more so even women, 
uh, you, you tend to live and you forget that God has given you the present. He's given you right now. And so th- that's one reason why I think they call it the present, because God has given it to us. All right? He's given you right now. And, and so often what happens is, is you live your life pining about things that used to be and worried about things that are going to be. You, you spend so much of your energy, so much of your, 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 your EQ, your emotional quotient in your life, you spend so much of it worrying about what you did in the past and what the past has been like. And then full of anxiety about the future. And you forget that God has given you right now to enjoy. And so no matter what stage of life you're in, and I'm going to go through the six stages of a woman's life today in the next 25 minutes, if you can believe that. And, um, and so in, in doing so, what I want you to know is, listen, whatever stage you're in, enjoy it. Enjoy it. God has given you today. I mean, have you gotten out of bed today? Have you, have you ambulated yourself to church today? I mean, that's better than a lot of people could do. I mean, some people can't get up because they can't get up. Some people can't get up because of what they were doing yesterday. All right? So you're here today. You're doing better than a lot of folks. All right? And so enjoy right where you're at. It doesn't mean you don't think about the past or look towards the future. Of course you do those things. But enjoy the stage you're in, especially if you're a, if you're a woman and, you know, you're in that stage when you're, you know, you're just raising little ones and they're just like, you're just frazzled with that. Don't hope for the day when the kids are gone because eventually they're going to go. And then you miss them, right? So it's not that you can't look forward to those times. You know, of course, when we see our children, we, want, we, we, we think of them being married and having their own kids and bringing grandkids to us. But enjoy the time you're in. And if you're in that time of grandkids, then enjoy that. I mean, so much of life, I see people miss out on the blessing of right now because they're too concerned about what used to be or what will be to enjoy right where they're at right now. So just enjoy where you're at right now. And just be blessed in what God has blessed you with at this moment. All right? And yes, eternity's there. We'll talk about that as well. All right, so I'm, I'm going to take us through the six stages. Now, in that photo, there's like, I don't know, two, three, four, five, six. There's like 10 or 11 stages there, 12 stages maybe. I, 11. I've got it down to six. Because that's just, that's just too many, all right? It's just way too many, all right? And, uh, and so I've, I've sort of uh, sim- simplified it down. So the first stage is the stage of childhood or girlhood, you know? Um, and so this, these are, you know, these you know, young children that are girls that, um, you know, are not, up until the time of adolescence, basically. And so it could be anywhere from, you know, up, up to the age of, you know, 10, 11, years old, maybe 12 years old, maybe, you know. Um, and so this is that stage of girlhood. You know, it's this young girl stage. And uh, I looked at a biblical example of this in Miriam, Aaron's and Moses's sister, uh, Miriam. And we read about her in Exodus chapter 2, and it says this, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed a child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. 
His sister Miriam stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Miriam, all right, his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Now, this is a shrewd little girl, let me tell you. Because I mean, this little girl, number one, she's, she's, she's watching out for little brother in this basket in the Nile full of crocodiles right? And so she's just making sure he's safe. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter comes along and she's like, with her whole entourage, all of her, you know, all of her peeps are with her. And, and there they are, you know, they're bathing and it's just very ceremonial, like Egyptian kind of a deal. And, you know, they're, they're going through all this stuff. And there's Miriam watching and making sure Moses is okay, you know? And so Pharaoh's daughter gets the baby and, and she's, she feels compassion. And so Miriam steps right up as a young girl, maybe she's six, maybe she's seven, maybe eight years old, maybe nine, maybe. I can see Charlotte doing this, my granddaughter Charlotte. She'd have no trouble just saying this right up to, hey, do you want me to get someone to take care of this baby? You know? And so Miriam works it out so that her mother gets to raise Moses and get paid for it. That's pretty shrewd. I mean, that is an entrepreneurial young lady, you know? I mean, that, that girl deserves, she deserves more in her allowance that week for sure, you know? And so Moses is raised by his mother at the, on, on the dime of Pharaoh and uh, is raised and is taught all about the Lord by his mom because Miriam stood and, and intervened on her brother's part. See, in this stage of life, we see this innocence and this curiosity in these young girls. And it's beautiful, you know, to see children and to see how, how curious they are and how innocent they are and, and how much they, you know, when we look at these girls at this time, they're, they're prepping for life in how they play. And, and, and so with my granddaughters and with my daughters too as well, when they, were, when they were little, you know, they played with dolls a lot, but they also play with cars. I, I, I look at my granddaughters and they're, they play with dolls, but they also play with cars. Like my granddaughter, Aurora, um, she has this, like, this car engine that's a toy that she can take apart. She's very mechanical with that kind of stuff. And then like Charlotte, Charlotte loves playing with Jackson's guy toys. And of course, Jackson likes having tea parties, you know, but I mean, and that's okay. You know, I mean, personally, I like a tea party myself. So um, especially if there's really good crumpets, I'm really into it then. So, you know, I'm okay with that. It doesn't matter because they're, they're sort of learning about life, you know. And, and so this is what happens in that stage of life that they're in. And like Matthew, when Matthew came up, he's a, he's a boy, but like he's sort of in between two stages here. He's, he's, he's sort of leaving childhood and he's entering into that next stage. And we'll talk about that for girls here. But, but it, it's, it's a time of preparation, you know. Like they say, you know, children learn so absolutely much. Like half of what a child learns, they learn before they're five years old. It's so important for them to be taught about Christ and about the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of Christ that needs to be imprinted in them at that time of life. It's very important for them, you know. The promise that God gives to children, to those young girls at this time, is that, is that listen, when I was growing up, sometimes I heard from adults, 
you know, children are better to be seen and not heard. Remember those sayings? Remember, remember that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if you say that to your kids, just stop saying it, okay? Because it's just totally wrong. That's not the case at all. Um, you know, so often it seems like, you know, ch- nobody cares about children. Even in our country, I mean, there's such terrible things happening to children. And, you know, like the, the, the child trafficking that's taking place is, is deplorable, absolutely disgusting. And, and yet there's so few people really doing anything about it. And so the reality is, listen, at this stage of life, for young girls, for children, for these girls, Jesus receives you. Jesus receives you. In Matthew chapter 19, um, we know, maybe you don't know the story. People are, you know, people wanted to bring Jesus to these kids, and, and the disciples are trying to get them to shoot them away. And what does Jesus say? Verse 13, the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The simplest ones, the ones who have nothing to offer, the kingdom of heaven belongs just as much to them as the people who've got everything to offer. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't matter how young you are, how simple you are, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. And it doesn't belong to you any less than the President of the United States. It doesn't belong to you any less than Jimmy Swaggart. It doesn't belong to you any less than Billy Graham. It belongs to you just as much as them. And so children are not the church of the future. Children are the church, period. You know? And the reality is, man, Jesus receives you. You don't have to worry about those things. He takes you. He receives you as you are. Even though you're young, even though you're wet behind the ears, even though you're green, whatever, whatever adults may say about you, man, children, God receives them. Jesus receives them. You know? The second stage is the stage of the young woman. The stage of, I call this the princess stage. And so there's, there's a transition from childhood to being a princess. And so, like, in, in the incredibly uh, gifted movie, The Princess Diaries, um, in The Princess Diaries, uh, the princess had to learn how to wave. Do we have any princesses here that can wave like a princess? How do you? Yeah, we, I'm not a princess, yeah. So you got to learn how to wave. No, I mean, I, I, it's like, like some of you don't look very princess-like. I, I'm just, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's, Okay, yeah, John, you definitely look like a princess. Lisa, that's not how a princess waves. That is not how they wave. All right? <laughs> that's more like it. So, so like, like, when you think about that, it's sort of funny because, like, why would you have to learn how to wave? But at this point in life, there's a lot of learning that takes place, you know? They're dealing with, you know, those hormones, you know, as a, as a teenager, as a young woman. I mean, there's all this transition that takes place in their bodies. They grow. I mean... Little boys, it's, it's amazing. Like Laura, you know, who is five foot three, um, at one point she was like the tallest kid in her class because <laughs> girls grow fast, you know. And then the guys are like, all these, all these Amazons, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then the next year they come back and the guys are towering over them because, you know, these things happen to girls quickly, you know. And so um, there's all these changes that take place. And, and as, as these Children, it's, it's an awkward stage as well. I wasn't a princess, uh, but as I came into my prince time, not the prince, but as I came into the prince time, I would trip over anything. 
In fact, if there was nothing there, I would, in fact, still occasionally that happens. But when I was a teenager, I was constantly, like, you know, falling. I was, I was like Chevy Chase doing his Gerald Ford imitation on Saturday Night Live. I was constantly falling down things. I would sit on, I went to the lipless's house one time. I sat on their chair and broke it. I mean, it's just, life is awkward when you're in your teen years. And it's difficult, you know. And at the same time, it's a very powerful time in life because you begin to critically think now. And so there's this change in, you know, children received the kingdom of God, and then when they became teenagers, they questioned the kingdom of God. Well, they should question it. You know, they should be tested. Their faith needs to be tested when they're teenagers, and it will be tested. But we've got to walk them through that. And so I look at Mary as being that woman, who, that young woman, that princess in the Bible. In Luke chapter 1, we see this in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And so listen to her response. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Isn't it amazing? God did not appear to a 30-year-old woman because she would have a list of questions. Am I right? I mean, there would be, there would be, uh, you know, as long as my leg, there'd be questions. Well, how is, it, how is this? What's this? I mean, it'd be so much. Mary just hears what the, and, and, and her only question is, how is this going to happen? And then the angel explains it ever so simply to her, and she's like, okay. You got to love teenagers, right? I mean, they don't need, they don't need the, the, you know, the, the, the fifth degree about stuff. It's just whatever. It's just simple. Just do it. Oh, okay. Now, if you can get them to do it, it's great. But, I mean, once they do it, they don't need a lot of instructions. You know, I mean, it's just an amazing thing. Mary is just like, hey, I'm a princess. Okay, I'm, I'm, learning, how to, I'm learning how to wave. And, and, okay, no word from God's ever going to fail. Okay, I believe it. I thank God for the faith of some of our young women. I am, I'll tell you what, through the years, I, I have seen some teenagers whose faith just, just challenges my faith. It's an incredible thing. I've seen teenagers do things that when I was a teenager, I could never even think to do. And they've taken and taken steps in God that are just so incredible. Why? Because they're just willing to believe God. How incredible is that? At that time of being a princess, it's important to believe God and be able to just trust God. And it's tough because sometimes, and I see this so often in all my years in youth ministry, you know, I would see it where teenagers would have incredible faith, and then they become adults, and their faith is tested and they, they lose so much of what they have when they were younger because they're not willing to put into their faith like they did when they were teenagers. 
And so it's, it's frightening to me when I see, when I see a, a teenage girl or a teenage boy that don't put time into the Word of God because, man, you've got to fill yourself with that Word of God when you're young so that when you're older, you don't have to try to con- convince yourself of something. You understand what the Word of God says. A lot of the verses that I memorized, I didn't memorize when I was a pastor. I memorized when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. They, that's when I committed those things to memory. As an adult, it's hard for me to memorize things. Does any other adult struggle with that? Right? When you're a kid, you just suck things up. And so it's important at this stage. We see Mary blossoming into a young woman. The same thing with our young people. We see them blossoming and going from being just a kid to being a young woman. And, and you know, for, for, especially for girls, that, that change is really, it's, it's really an incredible change, even more so than boys. Like, you know, it, it, it gets dragged out with boys. With girls, it happens so much quicker. Like, boys are like 17 years old. They're like talking, and their voice breaks, you know. And, you know, it goes through slower for them. But, man, you see a young girl, man, she just changes. You, you don't see her for a year at a time. She, like, what happened to her? Wow. I mean, it's amazing. I don't, I don't say that in a creepy way. Shame on you for thinking that, you know. But, but it's, it, it's beautiful to see. And so um, we want to learn to navigate through the hormones at that time as well. The promise is there in Psalm 119. Uh, the promise is that you can stay on the path. In verse 9 says, how can a young person stay on the path to purity? But that's a great question, isn't it? By living according to your word. And the King James says, by taking heed according to your word. You know, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's why we we tell our children to write in their Bibles when they used to have paper Bibles. You know, this word, this this Bible will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this, this Bible. The reason why is because the word of God, when we fill ourselves with the word of God, it's important for our young people to have the word of God plugged into them so that they cannot depart from it as they get older. And so it's an incredible thing to be in that stage. The third stage is the stage three is career and family. I call this stage the warrior princess stage. The warrior princess, like Zena, <laughs> you know, or Wonder Woman, you know, the warrior princess, um, not learning how to wave anymore, but learning how to use a sword, all right? Learning how to fight. And that's, that's not just, hey, listen, just look pretty and wave. No, 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 now it's you got to fight, girl. Because the world is a, is, a, is a rough place, and that warrior princess has to learn how to fight battles because there are going to be battles there. I, I think of Deborah from the Bible in Judges 4. We just read about her in our Bible reading time together here a week or so ago. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah. I mean, how about that? I mean... She didn't just hold court under a tree. She held court under the palm of Deborah. This is, this is a warrior, this woman, right? You know? And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. Certainly, now she, and she comes along and, of course, the, the leader wants to go and fight this army, the Midianites, and, um, and Deborah says, hey, listen, you go ahead and go. And he's like, listen, I don't want to go unless you go with me. You know? I, I may be a warrior, but I, I won't go unless you're going, lady. <laughs> wow. So she says this, verse 9, Certainly I will go with you, says Deborah, 
But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will de deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Uh, verse 14, then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. I'm not going to finish that story out. You go ahead and read it, man. It is one of the most, the most grotesque stories in the Bible. You know, you want to talk about bloody, you want to talk about, you know, maybe not even PG-13 rated, maybe R-rated. And you see that. It is just, it is brutal. But the reality is, listen, Deborah is working hard. Women at this stage in life, this warrior princess stage, are working hard, and they're fighting. They're fighting for their families. They're fighting for their children. They're fighting for their profession. They're fighting against, you know, all the onslaughts that young women have to fight against in our society. If they're single, they're fighting off young guys. You know what I'm saying? You know, they're, they're, they're fighting off what the world is trying to tell that they're supposed to be. And, and, and the reality is, listen, as a young woman, as, as a young adult woman, you can fight. You can, you can be a warrior princess for God. You can use that sword and allow it to be used properly for the kingdom of God. The promise that God gives to our young women in this stage is that the promise is that God will fight for you. He will fight for you. Uh, in Joshua chapter 23... Verse 8, it says this, But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand. Because the Lord your God fights for you. Man, understand, no matter, it doesn't matter how many are up against you, how many are in opposition to you. If God is with you, you are a majority. You have the victory. God is going to fight for you in those battles. All right? And what does he say? Um, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. And that's, that's what you've got to grab a hold of here as well, ladies, is at this stage in life, you've got to make sure that you maintain your love for God in your life. There's lots of other things to grab at you to love on. And yes, if you have a husband, you should love that husband. If you have children, you should love them. If you have a job, a profession, a ministry, you should love those things. But man, make sure above and beyond everything else, you love the Lord your God. Hold on to him. Know that he's going to be there because he's going to fight the battles for you. He's going to give you the power to do what you need to do. The fourth stage of life is this balanced life. And I call it the nobility stage. There's a nobility that comes in this stage of life. It's the time of motherhood. It's that you're no longer fighting all the battles now. You're just really, you're maintaining this realm that God has given you. There's this nobility. You know, you're starting to really look uh, regal in what you do because you're stepping into who you are, you know. And you ladies, when you get into that stage, you know who you are. You're able to just be, you know, act in that nobility that God has given you. And I look and I see the, the woman Priscilla from the Bible. And Priscilla is one of those women that are listed. It's amazing how people look at the Bible and they're like, it's anti-woman. Well, they've obviously never read it, you know. Or Paul. Paul is such a sexist. Paul calls Juno an apostle. She's a woman. Paul, when he's talking about Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila's the guy. Priscilla's the wife. He puts Priscilla at the lead a bunch of times. Why? Because she's a strong woman. And Paul's not saying to her, hey, be silent, woman. 
What about those, what those people who take that verse out of, totally out of context? Women should be silent in church. Oh, just shut up. You should be silent too. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. Read the whole Bible. Don't just pick out a, a, a fortune cookie verse out of there and try to make a doctrine out of it. Shame on you. Priscilla is, models this for us. In Romans chapter 16, Paul is talking about who Priscilla is. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Priscilla and her husband, they're my co-workers. What does he say about them? They risked their lives for me. <laughs> this is a woman who's, who's, who's done something. Not only I, but all the church of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Wow. What a great thing. Acts chapter 18. Uh, Priscilla comes across this young guy. Priscilla and come across this young guy, Apollos. He's a great speaker an incredible orator, and he starts to speak in the synagogues, and he's talking about how God has a better plan than Judaism. But he doesn't really totally understand it. And so Priscilla and Aquila do this, verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. You know, there is this balance of her life. She's able to do what is necessary. In this stage of life, sometimes finding the balance is difficult, ladies, you know. And then we want to serve with grace and compassion at this time and conviction in our lives. The promise that God gives us from Proverbs chapter 31 from last week. Listen, when you're in this stage of life, and there's many women in our church in this stage of life, know that you are a leader. And don't be afraid to lead. You know, in verse 25 of 31, Proverbs, it says, she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. In other words, she's taking care of business. You know? Like I said last week, she can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan. And that's great. You know, it's a wonderful thing. And we are blessed with women like that as well. Stage five is the changing seasons of life. The changing seasons. And so this is where, you know, no longer are your children, maybe they're not even home anymore. You know, like you're an empty nester now and life changes. You're still young enough, and so I'm thankful, like, when Laura and I, when we have our grandkids, um, you know, we love spending time with our grandkids, and, and, like, she takes care of them. I mean, she changes all the dirty diapers, which is totally awesome, and uh, and then, like, I'm on the ground with them, and, like, right now, there's all four of them, like, sitting on, like, right, not this moment, but there's, like, all four of them love to climb on my back, and so I'm thankful that I can do that. That may not be the case five years from now, okay, because... They're going to be a little too big for this baby, all right? So, um, but, but I'm thankful we can still do that. There's this, you know, there's this, this changing seasons that takes place, and it, it, it's incredible. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere, it's the queen stage, uh, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. See, at this stage in life, as a queen, you know, you begin to realize that, listen, the benefits of what you planted in your life are now coming to fruit. You know, there's a, there's a coming to fruit. Even, even moms who made mistakes earlier in life, at this stage in life, things begin to pay dividends. It's an amazing thing. You know, it's sort of like, remember when you used to put your money in the bank and you used to pay dividends? <laughs> remember that? Like, now you actually lose money by putting money in the bank. Because they give you a charge on it, you know, but they, they do give you that two cents in interest, you know, but the charge was 25 bucks, so you're 24.98 in the hole. But, uh, you know, there's dividends that are paid in your life at this point, you know, and at the same time, um, you've got to be able to look at the other people basking in the sun that you used to bask in, you know. 
you get to see your children doing things maybe that you used to do, and you used to do them well. But now your kids are doing them, and you're not doing them quite as well. In fact, when you're basking in the sun, you're covered up. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're young, you're like, you're like, oh, I want the sun on all of my skin, you know? And you get older, you're like, I need an umbrella. <laughs> right? You know? And so you've got to allow others to bask in the sun and be happy for them basking in the sun. Because you had your moments in the sun too. But the reality is, like, you know, when I go to the beach now, I, I, wear, I, wear, I, have, I have like a, 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 a rash guard that I wear. It's long sleep. And I'll wear that all, all the time. Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I get enough of the sun on I don't need the sun on me. You know, when I was young, I wanted the sun on me. Um, and it's okay. I can still enjoy myself on the beach with the rash guard on. It doesn't stop me enjoying it. Is my rash, is it long sleeve or short sleeve? Short sleeve, yeah. I, 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 I was just thinking about that. She, she would know. She's my wife. So um, when I have questions, I usually ask her. So um, you can still enjoy yourself, but you have to learn how to enjoy yourself a little differently as you get older. It doesn't mean you stop enjoying yourself. I mean, I feel bad for people that want to give up on living as they get older. Why? It's still life. It may not look the same, but just enjoy what you got while you got it. You know what I mean? And so you've got you to gotta maintain this as a woman as you get into that queen stage. Because a queen, you know, a queen isn't learning how to wave anymore. She knows how to wave. In fact, she doesn't even have to wave anymore. She'll let the princess wave. <laughs> You know, people want to see the princess anyway. The queen is there. Hey, listen, when you're done waving, let me know. <laughs> Enjoy the stage you're in. And then finally, um, uh, uh, the promises there is that life gives div it reaps dividends from Proverbs chapter 31. Her children rise and call her blessed. Your husband also, he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Finally, our final stage, stage six, the experienced, thankful, content stage, the matriarch stage. Uh, in this, I see Anna in the temple, Luke chapter 2. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So she's up in years, right? She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So Anna comes along now in the temple. She's, she's an elderly Elderly woman. And Mary and Joseph come into the temple with baby Jesus. And Anna comes up to him and goes, this is what we've been waiting for. This is it. I mean, this is what I've lived my whole life for. I've lived my whole life for this moment. All the other things that she was able to do, I'm sure she had a stunning past in her life and everything. But, man, it's all about this. I mean, at this stage in life, there are some realities that you've got to grapple with. You've got to know that, listen, there's increased wisdom that comes in this time of year, uh, of, of years, but there's also decreased physical act activity. And now you've got to have an eye on eternity. You've got to know that there's more to this life than just living and dying. You know? And, and, and uh, you can't do what you used to do. Like Jesus told Peter, you're gonna, you're, uh, people are going to uh, lead you around by the arm and tell you where you're going to go. You know, you're like a potted plant. You know, wherever they set you down, you're sort of there. That's how it is as you get into this stage of life more and more. But the reality is it's not the end. There's more to this. Simeon saw it as well. Anna's contemporary there in the temple. As Simeon and Anna are there, and I have to believe that they were sort of like, um, like friends, you know, because they were in the temple together and they had the same heart, basically. 
And so Simeon comes along, and, and he sees the same thing. Anna prophesies over the baby Jesus, and then Simeon comes along, and he grabs the baby, and what does he say? Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. <clears throat> for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is where it's so important for us. It's so imperative for us if we are young. No matter what stage you're in, folks, listen, eventually you're going to get to that stage of life. Ladies, you're going to get to that stage where you're the matriarch, where you're not able to do the young things anymore. And you're going to have to come to a place where you realize, listen, I am a mortal and my life may end soon. <clears throat> and so what do we do? Like Simeon said, listen, now I, I can go home because I know God is taking care of everything. This promise that he's made to me, he's fulfilling it now in my life. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the Messiah. Here he is right in front of me. And ladies, you're going to come to a place where you're going to be face to face with the reality that, man, maybe all that will be left is Jesus. And if you have that, you don't need anything else. Because there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. He's the one that we have that we need at that time. When you're young, you think you don't need him. When you're old, you know you definitely need him. As I, Paul comes along and he says to his young understudy Timothy, as he's at the end of his life, basically, and when you come to the temple and you would bring an animal for sacrifice, maybe it was a bull. It's a big animal. They don't just take that bull and toss it up on, on the altar. That bull has to be killed. It has to be drained of its blood. It has to be cut up. It has to be ceremonially washed. It has to have the in internal organs removed. And then that meat is put on the altar and it burns. It may take days for this to take place. Paul says, I'm at the stage of my life now where I'm like an offering to God, but it's not a burnt offering. It's a drink offering. Do you know what you do with a drink offering? Well, first you take a drink. And then all you do is you pour it out. It's done. It's over. That's all it is. And Paul says this to Timothy as he, as he gives us these incredible verses that really are such a, a powerful reminder in our lives. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. Huh. Not to say that probably there were some bad fights too, but I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the fight. Listen, ladies, when you get to that stage in life, my prayer for you is that you can say that the same way Paul said it. You get to that point in life. My mom, I mean, she wanted to be here this morning. She's watching us on TV, you know. Um, and uh, she can say she's fought the good fight. She's finished the course. She's kept the faith. 91 years old. She's still, she's still maintaining the faith. I mean, does it look like it did when she was a kid? No. Nope. Absolutely not. She's in a totally different stage now. But the stage she's in, God is faithful to her in it. Does it mean her stage is pain-free and nothing, nothing goes wrong? Absolutely not. Man, it's full, of, it's full of stuff that goes wrong in life. But why? You've fought the good fight. You've finished the course. You've kept the faith. That is a testimony that I want to have when I get to be that age. How about you? What does he say there? He says this. He goes on and he says, now, now, you notice he doesn't say it when he's young. Now, he says, now, now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, 
will award to me on that day, and not just to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Man, all of a sudden now you got this realization. You know that there's more to this life than just what you're breathing in into your lungs. There's more to this life than just living and dying, that there is an eternity that's awaiting you, and you got to keep your eye on that and say, listen, Lord, whenever you're ready to take me home, I'm ready to go with you. I'm here as long as you want me to be. May I be fruitful and faithful while you make me here, but I know that I have a home that's waiting for me. Jesus went to prepare a place for me, and if he went to prepare a place for me, he'll come again and get me. And I have to believe it. That's why we can sing that song. Like they say, there ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Why? Because we know that even if we're placed in the ground in the grave, that's not our permanent home. It's only temporary. There's going to come a time when the trumpet's going to sound, and even that body that's decaying will rise again. Not like the undead, but like a perfect body. I don't know what age it's going to be. It definitely won't be this age. It's going to be probably younger than I am right now, but I'm looking forward to that body being resurrected. Amen? Man, we have such a great hope of this incredible God that we have. Ladies... I don't know what stage you're in. It doesn't matter. Some of you might be in more than one stage at a time. Some of you might be overachievers. Maybe you're in three stages. God bless you. Whatever you're in, just know that God is with you and he's for you. And know, know, know that we love you and are thankful that you are our moms, our sisters, our wives, our aunts, our daughters, our granddaughters, whatever you are to us. We, We love you and we thank you for who you are. You know, and know that you are loved and appreciated by us and by God as well. Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Jesus, we thank you so much for our ladies. Lord, I pray first and foremost that, Lord, each one, no matter what stage they're in, that they would realize that there's going to come a time when they're going to be face-to-face with their own mortality. And, Lord, may you give them the strength to be able to say, like Paul said, like we just read, that they have fought the good fight. They have finished the course. They've kept the faith. Lord, I pray this blessing upon all these women, that they'll maintain that through whatever stage they're in now up to that final stage, that you'd help them to stand tall and strong and firm, that, Lord, they can lead others as well, that, Lord, if they're in that stage of a warrior princess, Lord, help them to be greater warriors, Lord. If they're in a stage where they're reigning over the realm that you've given them, help them to do it with dignity, with peace, with grace. Lord, if they're young today and they don't really know what stage they're in, Lord, may they find the grace, strength, and knowledge as they they submit to you and as they hide your word in their hearts. Help them to be able to walk in greater ways, Lord. And we thank you, God. Thank you, for, Lord, for these ladies in our lives. Lord, I thank you for my mother and my mother-in-law, for my wife, Lord. I thank you uh, for how uh, godly example that these women are and that, that my wife is. Lord, I thank you for my daughters. Uh, for the the mothers that they are, for the other mothers and women in our churches here, as they uh, as they love and they serve, like some who aren't, who don't have any bio children of their own, they're, they're loving on other people. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for all these things, and we just pray a blessing on them. We ask you to cover them and help them today, in these wonderful, incredible times that you've given to us. Oh God, bless your ladies this time. We thank you for them. Lord, I think it's interesting that as you were hanging on the cross, one of the last things you did was you took care of your mom. You asked John to watch over her. And so, Lord, in that same spirit, we thank you that, Lord, you have loved on uh, our moms, our daughters, our sisters, our aunts, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We pray a blessing on them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you, ladies, if you would stand uh, and... uh, 
Guys, as, as these ladies are have, have, uh, standing around you, if you're close to them, if they're a part of your family, put a hand on their shoulder. We want to pray a blessing on them today. If you're by yourself, just extend a hand towards somebody. There's a few of our folks maybe that don't have anybody standing with them. Just extend a hand towards them, and we're going to believe God for just a blessing in their life. And then as you go today, ladies, know that there's a special gift for you out in the foyer. You can pick something off of the table there. Please only pick one. Um, per person, even if you have a split personality, only take one, and um, that'll be awesome, so there's enough for everybody, but we just want to pray a blessing on, on our ladies today. Jesus, thank you for our ladies. Lord, we just ask a special blessing on them. Touch them, fill them, minister in them. Lord, release your presence and power in them in a greater way in these days to come. Encourage them, Lord. Help them to understand that you're with them and you're fighting for them today, Help them to draw closer to you. And may they know that, Lord, uh, you've created them and made them. You chose them to be who they are. Lord, may they know how precious that is in your sight. And we thank you for their lives. We pray a blessing on them this day. Bless our moms. Bless our ladies. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you, folks. Have an awesome